As I was saying, welcome to the fifth installment of the <laughs> Soul Sanctuary podcast. It's episode five. We're going to be talking about narcissists and empaths, narcissists and empaths. First and foremost, what is an empath? It tends to be a person who maybe in their childhood, young adulthood, at some point in their life, they were forced to live in an environment that felt very unsafe. And in order to survive that environment, they had to learn to develop an ability to read energy, read uh, mood, read behaviors, all of that, okay? That's what causes an empath to develop, typically. Uh, empathy, being an empath, that's not some sort of superpower. That's not like evidence of your superiority over someone else. No, uh, that's evidence of you having lived through something pretty traumatic. Pretty traumatic, okay? You're not a broken person. You're a completely whole person. You are a whole person. Now, if you don't understand where your empathic abilities are rooted in, there's a likelihood that you'll probably live your life being very sensitive to environments. And because you're not looking at what the root of it is, you're probably going to cross paths with someone who has narcissistic behavior at some point in your life. Now, I am not a psychologist, I am not a therapist, I am not a social worker, I am not any of those things. This live stream is not about diagnosing, okay? Let's not use this conversation to try and diagnose someone. Uh, leave that for the people who are licensed to do that. This is a conversation to kind of help us understand where we are within our life, you know? Like, why are you the way you are? And is this nothing but a trauma response? We have to make sure we take the steps to begin understanding ourselves or else your life will teach you about you in a more challenging way using adversarial techniques, okay? So narcissists, I was saying to myself because you guys couldn't hear me for 10 minutes. I was talking about how basically as an empath, if you, if you don't take a look at the root causations of some of your perceptions, um, at some point in your life, you're gonna come across another empath. You're gonna cross uh, the path of another empath and it's gonna be something where, how's that gonna work out? Is it going to be good for you? Are you like, you know, oh, Twin Flames, it's someone who is my equal, it's my partner in life, and it's this, this, and this, yay. No, what usually ends up happening is you come across an empath who's more fractured than you. And sometimes when someone has early development of empathic abilities, and they, they have specific types of 
childhood experiences, specific types of family dynamics, certain types of parental techniques that are placed upon them, um, they end up becoming very dark, very unbalanced. They become the narcissist. The most toxic narcissists that I have ever come across are highly empathic. Highly empathic. They know exactly what to say to disarm you. They know exactly what to say to be able to harvest information from you, about you, about things they can exploit to further control you, to be efficient in that control of you. All of these really scary things, they're your dark aspects, malignant versions of your shadow. If you're not going to address what you need to address just by facing it head on within yourself, it will be projected outside of you at some point in your life. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm being extremely honest with you. Extremely honest to the degree that um, the audio and video was removed for the first 10 minutes. Because I tell you, the stuff that was coming out of me in the first 10 minutes was profound. <laughs> it was profound, okay? But, you know, that, that opportunity to hear that is gone. <laughs> so really quick. What's our definition of narcissism? You know, because that word gets thrown around so much, like so much, it totally gets tossed around. And I don't know if people really know what narcissism is. Let's define it. In psychology, it's defined as selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration as characterizing a personality type. In psychoanalysis, it's self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects, either in very young babies or as a feature of mental disorder. So those are very specific, right? Now, the thing is, we all have narcissistic tendencies to varying degrees, of course. The entirety of the self-love journey, it's a form of narcissism. It's a journey of narcissism, a healthy type of narcissism, where that selfishness is something that you need because you're an overgiver. You are constantly depleting yourself. And so it's a turning back into the self to address your needs, to begin loving yourself. If you're doing this to be healthier, not with the intent to um, dominate or hurt other people. Like you're just trying to find yourself, you know? And when you realize your chosen behaviors are hurting other people's feelings, you feel badly and you modify those behaviors so they're not as offensive. They're not as, um, they're not as abrasive. That's not narcissism. It has a narcissistic tinge to it because of the definition of what narcissism is, but that doesn't make you a narcissist. What we are talking about are the people who have actual like malignant type behaviors. They are, they're actually malicious. Empaths 
are the key to understanding why they are drawn to you. It's your empathic ability, your ability to place yourself in their shoes, to understand that something has happened to them sometime in their life. They don't even have to try to make excuses. You do it for them. What I've found dealing with so many narcissists over and over and over through the entire course of my lifetime, when you're willing to make excuses for the narcissist, you become their favorite target. They are very insecure, very weak-minded individuals. That's why they consistently need that toxic supply, that narcissistic supply. Why? Because they're extremely insecure. They need to know that there's someone else that's weaker than them, someone else that is not as smart, someone else that's this and that and, you know, all of these other things. And it's like, how do you fit in there? Well, part of that development as an empath, um, there's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Some empaths, we learn how to use fawning in order to survive, survive our childhood, survive our young adulthood, survive a relationship. These lead to conditions that, that would cause an individual to defend the person that's harming them. Um, you've heard terms like battered wife syndrome. That's, that's a form of psychological condition where you will defend the person who has been harming you who has been emotionally, mentally, physically battering you. Why? Those are empaths who learned how to use fawning in order to survive. Okay. Now, these are just my observations as a human being capable of logical deduction. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not having some sort of like, um, psychology classroom here. No, these are things that I notice. Uh, I'm highly sensitive to other people's intentions, their energies, their emotions. Why? I was raised by a narcissist. I had to learn very, very early on. I had to learn very, very quickly when to be quiet, when to speak up, what I can say, what I cannot say, if I should leave the room, if I should cry more quietly. Okay. These are things that I had to learn. I wasn't being taught these things. I was observing the environment and learning how to survive it. This is why, oh, gosh, Oh, wow. <sighs> totally didn't expect that.
I'm sorry. <clears throat> I just had to process. What I was going to say is this is why I refuse to identify as a survivor. It's a refusal to continue to exist in the same mental environment. It's, it's a refusal to no longer be that child that simply was told that I had to be a byproduct of the environment. To identify yourself as merely a survivor is to continue to give the power that was taken from you, that you gave away, to continue to give it to someone who's not worthy of it. So nine signs of narcissism. This is from manofmany.com. The first one, lack of empathy. Lack of ability or willingness or or capability really to see how your behaviors and 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 your logic your words are so detrimental to other people to the people around you uh narcissists have a tendency to be very manipulative they will take anything and everything that you say and they will manipulate it okay they will twist it in a way that's most beneficial for them the third sign of narcissism, according to manofmany.com, projection. It's said that what a narcissist accuses you of can absolutely be received as a confession. You in a narcissistic relationship? Are you in a relationship with a narcissist? They're accusing you of cheating? Guess what? Guess what they're probably doing? And you're left wondering, like, why do you keep accusing me of that? I never even leave the house. Like, why can't I do enough to show you that I love you? And it's not about love. It's not about love. I've learned that narcissists are incapable of even loving themselves in a healthy way. So they're absolutely not capable of loving you like that. You're not going to love them into wholeness. You're just not. Your presence as an empath enables them. It empowers them to continue to be as toxic as they actually are. Number four, emotionally cold. They can be very, very cold. It's your fault. You made me mad. It's your fault. You did that. That's what you deserve. That's what you get very emotionally cold um and don't get it twisted they know how to love bomb <laughs> love bombing hoovering all sorts of different terms that you can find online and and you know they have this way of knowing exactly which of your love buttons to push the type of love language to use in order to get you back into their grasp They don't actually believe you deserve that love. I have uh, someone, I won't say who it is, 
But I remember at one point, this other person had come into some money. And I was having conflict with this other person. And I didn't want anything to do with them. And this person, this other individual who I believe is a narcissist, um, they privately contacted me and they're like, you're being so stupid. Just play along. Tell them what they want to hear. They just won a freaking lawsuit. What? Yeah. And they absolutely saw nothing wrong with saying this to me. That goes against everything that I am. This concept of just play along for a payout. Like, honey, I'll earn my own money. I don't need a payout. <laughs> I, I'm not going to play along. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear just so that I can get what I want from you. That is classic narcissistic behavior. Classic narcissistic behavior. How many people do you know that have no problem doing that type of thing where it's like, whatever I need to do to get on your good side so that I can get the benefits that I believe you can provide me, I'm going to do it. That's not a healthy type of behavior. It's just not. So number five, gaslighting. I mean, this is like the word of the day right now. Gaslighting this, gaslighting that. Do we, do we even know what gaslighting is? Do we even understand the whole reality of what gaslighting is? Someone doesn't agree with you, they're gaslighting you. Someone has a different point of view, they're narcissists. I mean, you guys, we can't just keep throwing these types of words around. Gaslighting comes from this movie. Um, I, for, I forget the name of the movie, but this woman was in like a, a, a very not good, very unhealthy relationship. And I think something like there was a lantern and every time she would leave the room, her predator... <laughs> would blow out the lantern and it got to a point where she thought she was crazy like the lantern was on when i left why is it turned off that's gaslighting it's the process that someone takes to deny you of the reality that you are living they refuse to validate what you have lived through I once had um, a former business associate tell me that the entire body of my work is nothing but a scam. I mean, they didn't use those words, but they said that parasites are not real. Demonic things are a figment of your imagination, and you're just scaring people into buying sessions. Okay. <laughs> Now I'm pretty sure I went through what I went through for most of my life. I'm pretty sure of it. You're not going to convince me that I didn't experience the things that I experienced. You know, it's just, it's not going to happen. It's, that's not going to happen. That's a form of gaslighting. When people try and convince you that your perception, that your life, 
that your experiences are invalid because they said so. They're invalid because they said so. Yeah, no, no. And as an empath, when you feel someone truly, truly believes that, what happens? You start to question if you're crazy. Here's the thing, okay? I was once speaking to a therapist when I was like in my early, early 20s. I was speaking to a therapist and... You know, I diagnosed myself with all sorts of different things. <laughs> Self-diagnosis, man. Self-diagnosis is wicked. So I diagnosed myself with all these different things. And I was seeking actual licensed mental health assistance. And, and she told me, <laughs> people who have gone insane do not believe or even question their sanity. They don't believe they've gone insane. People who are truly bipolar, um, they don't think they're bipolar. They don't come into my office asking to be placed back on medication to prevent an episode. They have to go through the entire high and low, the manic, the, you know, all of that and hit rock bottom before their family basically forces them to seek help. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm not actually broken. I'm just highly sensitive to my environment. And when I'm in an environment as an empath, when I'm in an environment that doesn't give me permission to be who I am, it very negatively impacts me. There's nothing weak about recognizing that. That's not a declaration of weakness. Do you understand how powerful you have to actually be in order to get to a point where you can be that real and that raw and that honest with yourself? Do you understand what level of self-love you have to dive deep into to be able to do that, to look yourself in the eyes and tell yourself. So Queen of Hearts asks, do you think they gaslight you because they can't process the truth? Um, me personally, I believe gaslighting is done not because they can't process the truth, but because they actually know the truth and it goes against what would support their domination over you. It's not for a lack of knowing. It's not for a lack of processing. It's a refusal to accept the reality. The reality that they are not how they are pretending and presenting themselves to be. Narcissists pretty much do not show you who they are until they've actually got you dependent on them. Yeah. I remember um, I was talking to someone who I went to like grade school with and um, my, my parent, he was like very present in school activities and stuff. Whenever we'd have field trips, he would volunteer to drive and, you know, very charismatic, very charming. And this, this girl that I had 
uh, you know, she, she was a really close friend of mine in grade school. Um, we're now like full grown adults in our mid to late twenties, maybe even thirties. And we've reconnected on social media and she's asking how my parents are. And I'm like, Oh, they split up and this and that. And she's like, Oh my gosh. And she's super shocked. And I had shared something, um, regarding my male parent. And she's like, what? Oh my gosh, are you serious? I would have never guessed. I was like, yeah, that's how you know they're a clinical narcissist. That's how you know. Like, if people looked at my life, they would think that I was living a silver spoon life. Because from the outside looking in, like, oh my gosh, she has all these fancy things. Like, she's 16 years old and she drives a freaking Mercedes 560 SL. And when she's not driving that, she's driving a Mercedes 560 SEL. Honey, <laughs> that was a show for the world. It had nothing to do with the reality of what was going on at home at all. At all. Everyone used to think this entire lovely story that was created by the narcissist of the family. And then when the truth started coming out, because unfortunately they took their attack on family members too far and it spilled beyond the comfort of the walls of our personal home. They couldn't stop the truth from coming out anymore. Too many people knew too many knew and boy were they mad boy oh boy were they mad and that's the thing they were never in denial of the reality of what was going on they just didn't want anyone else to know they didn't want anyone else to know the reality of who they are, how they are, what they do, why they do, with who they do. I mean, they should just be like fictional authors, you know what I mean? They're really good at that. Narcissists are really, really good at that. And here's the thing, who loves a good story? Who loves to romanticize the potentiality? The empath. The unbalanced empath. The one who's been so caught up in the feeling of things. Nothing but feeling, nothing but feeling, nothing but feeling. So drunk off the feelings. To the point that when you realize you become drunk off feelings and now you're trying to sober up with logic, they'll start to spike your water with vodka. At that point, you can't taste that your water's been spiked, right? Right? You can't taste it after you've drunk, you know, a certain amount of alcohol. You're like, it, you can't taste alcohol anymore. You just can't. After you've drank from their cup of lies for so long. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to gain sobriety from that type of extremely intoxicating type of situation.
So sign number six, they never take responsibility. They never take responsibility for what they do, situations they create. They never do. Never. Never. Ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're waiting for an apology, you're not going to get one unless they've devised a way to benefit from that. It's never an apology just because you deserve an apology. So just know that, okay? Just know that. This is why I have very strict beliefs regarding the forgiveness program. I believe that's a program that further enslaves you, further causes you to continue to participate in situations and cycles that you'll really never be free from. Ever. Ever. Do you need to forgive? Do they need forgiveness? Or do you need to just learn what you learned and move forward? So number seven, controlling. I've never met a narcissist who wasn't ridiculously needing to control things. And they, they might not, you know, make it obvious to other people, but yeah, control. Um, they have issues with grandiosity. They like to pump themselves up and, and be this thing. You know what I mean? Like this huge thing, larger than life. They are the best. They are this, they are that. And I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? I don't care what you've achieved. Are you a good person? I don't care what tax bracket you're in. Are you a good person? Can I trust you? Can I feel safe around you? Number nine, infidelity. I have never experienced a narcissistic relationship. Like, you know, someone's coming to me for advice or assistance regarding narcissistic relationships. I have never encountered a narcissistic relationship that did not involve infidelity on the part of the narcissist. I just, I've never, I've never witnessed it. There is always infidelity involved given enough time. Yes, there's always infidelity involved. And for the members of Patreon and those who have signed up on the website, the love the soul sanctuary.love when we go and talk in the private um member chat after this um yeah no i have a lot of things to share with you guys about narcissistic type of behaviors and all of that number eight was grandiosity that was number eight if you guys want to look over that list that i went over it's on manofmany.com it's nine signs of narcissism. So oftentimes what happens when an empath, you know, quote unquote, falls in love with a narcissist, is it really love? Did you really fall in love with the narcissist? I mean, maybe you don't call them, like I have a really good friend. She's in the middle of, you know, some narcissist stuff with, yeah. 
And um, <laughs> I was telling her, like, girl, I'm so sorry. Like, when when I actually spent time with you guys, like, have you ever noticed? I've never allowed myself to be alone in a room with him. Like, if it's just me and him in a room, I, like, I'm very quick to, like, oh, my gosh, where's Frey? <laughs> Where are my kids? Where's Frey? You know, like, I... I try my best not to project externally that I'm freaking out, but I never allowed myself to be alone in a room with him. And she was like, I noticed. And I was like, did you ever wonder why? And she goes, well, I just kind of figured, you know, he is how he is. And I was like, I'm not going to say that he tried anything, but I will say <laughs> I picked up on certain thoughts, certain perceptions from him that caused me to feel like I should never, ever, ever be alone in a room with you because I would never disrespect my friend in that way. I would never allow myself to be in a situation where there's a potentiality that I will have impressed upon me, forced upon me, a situation that would disrespect her trust in me. And, you know, conversation continued. And what she said was, I, I always just thought he was an asshole. I didn't realize he was a full on narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Full on narcissist. I didn't want to see it then either. A lot of times the narcissist flies under the radar because of their association with a beautiful, sensitive, extremely loving empath. Like I saw with that, he was extended my trust and my respect because I love, trust, and respect her. And as her spouse, I extended that to him, making sure I always kept my distance. I see now also with my parents, my mother is an empath, highly sensitive, extremely giving, very, very generous, um, pretty gentle with everybody. Um, it was because of her. She cloaked him quite a bit. She cloaked him because she is so sweet. Everyone always just assumed, oh, they're a cute couple. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. No, not at all. Not at all. I want you to think, do you know any couples that you just love? You know, and, and one of them is just ridiculously sweet. Something feels off, though. Something just feels off. You don't know what it is. Think on it. Do you see these low-key type of signals that the sweet person is being controlled? That they're afraid to do things because they don't want to make the person mad. But they're not going to tell you that. They're going to give you another excuse. Um, my mother's sisters would consistently ask her to go out, right? I mean, they, they didn't do any crazy things. They would just go to each other's house, cook, um, sometimes go to the mall, uh, go to casino, 
I never did anything crazy, right? Well, from what I remember, she used to always have an excuse as to why she couldn't go. And I mean, until he left, she always had an excuse. Do you know people like that? They always have a reason why they can't do this or do that. My former best friend, she always had a reason why she couldn't, you know, talk on the phone and this and that. Um, and I always felt like I had to tiptoe with her. I always felt like I couldn't say anything even remotely against him, against her husband, um, because then he would tell her to cut me off. Yeah. To the point where when he cheated on her and she asked me, I was the only person in her life that was like, well, I mean, I know you love him. <laughs> even I got programmed by her narcissist. Yeah. So if it's not love, what is it? Is it possibly a trauma bond? So what's trauma bond? Trauma bonding occurs when a narcissist repeats a cycle of abuse with another person, which fuels a need for validation and love from the person being abused. The narcissist will condition someone into believing that these toxic behaviors are normal. Yeah. A trauma bond happens when you have been traumatized and then you work so hard to be worthy of that love again. Sometimes it starts when you guys experience maybe similar traumas, either together or before you meet or separately and you already know each other. You guys experience similar traumas and you use each other to lean on. You lean on each other and it works for that moment maybe a prolonged moment, but the moment one of those two are ready to heal and move forward, the other one won't allow you because they don't want to heal. So signs of a trauma bond, looking past red flags for the allure of the honeymoon phase. Have you ever heard someone or have you heard yourself saying, you know, if it just, we just need to work on it because it, it was really good before, like, you know, before this happened, before that happened, like we, we used to be so happy. We used to be so happy together. Like, I don't know what happened. You trauma bonded. That's what happened. A trauma bond begins with promises of love, trust, and safety. Have you felt like, um, because, you know, oftentimes the empath is the one super busy asking all the questions like, how are you doing today? How was your day? Oh, what did you do today? Oh, you look so good. Where did you get that? How do you feel? Are you thirsty? Do you want to rest? Do you need me to help you? I can do that for you. He's an empath, right? <laughs> and then here comes someone. No, have a seat. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You should be treated like the queen that you are. 
No, you, you shouldn't work anymore. You deserve to stay home and be taken care of. So you stay home. And it's good for a little bit. Until it's not. And then it becomes this, you spend too much money, like you are spending way too much. What are you thinking? Like, I'm the only one working here. You're so ungrateful. Like, I'm stressed out because of you. All of these different things. And you weren't even doing anything. You didn't overspend like they said you could get this and you could get that and then you did and now it's your fault because you keep spending because you're not working because you're being lazy and no matter how much you clean and do and all of that it's just not enough the honeymoon is done now it's the reality of what you've gotten yourself into because you didn't allow yourself to recognize those red flags. How many of us have experienced that? Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay, so first I see Ocean Lover wrote, I salute everyone who has broken and is working to break the chains in their line. Yes, that's a very difficult thing to do, but it's not impossible. Keep going, keep doing. And then Queen of Hearts says, now I'm beginning to see the severity of damage from my ex. Being a narcissist and Pisces, he's a whole nother level of manipulation. I'm telling you, when a narcissist is highly empathic, because there's various degrees of empathy, right? When that narcissist is, is a, an extremely sensitive empath, oh my God, the level of destruction that they could cause. Like... Whoa, whoa, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So the next sign of trauma bond, you feel drained and avoid open communication because open communication is open season. Any communication becomes very quickly a way for them to go ahead and further attack you, further degrade you, further gaslight you. Now, people might be like, oh, my gosh, you're so pessimistic. You're just so negative. Not everything is like that. I'm not talking about everything. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Um... I'm talking about a specific type of connection, a connection established between a narcissist and an empath. You don't get to come here with your loud thoughts and try and gaslight me into thinking what I've witnessed through my entire lifetime, not just as a child of a narcissist, but as a woman who's had narcissists come and try and prey on me as a woman who has had other friends, both male and female, who have had to deal with narcissists. You don't get to push your narcissistic agenda here 
because I'm not an unbalanced empath. I might sometimes present myself to be, but that's not accurate. It's a buffer zone. I've learned when I diminish the actual truth of how powerful and balanced I actually am, I draw less narcissists to me. See, here's the thing. When a narcissist sees an empath that's ridiculously powerful, that's so delicious to a narcissist. Because they see, ooh, you have power. If I can dominate you, that means I'm more powerful. How about this? See me as airheaded, dismiss me, disregard me. I really don't care because I didn't need your validation. I really don't care. <laughs> so I'm going to let you think that of me. It's a way to protect myself. We don't allow strangers to come into our spiritual homes. The mind and the heart is where you live spiritually. We don't allow them to come into our spiritual homes and have their way with us. It's okay for you to say no. It's okay for you to find your voice, know your voice and use it. It's okay too. But people will be mad, let them. As a matter of fact, why are you not mad? Why have you convinced yourself that you don't have a right to be mad? That you don't have a right to have a healthy response, a healthy reaction to that type of injustice. And that was the thing. And that was the thing. I, that's what I was taught. Um, that I don't have a right to be powerful or outspoken. That I need to be quiet. That I can't be who I am. And that's the next one. Sign of a trauma bond. You don't feel like yourself and you keep secrets. You can't be who you are. Just you can't be who you are. You consistently have to be ashamed for who you are. You can't share anything. Not even the good things. You can't share what you just accomplished. You just, you can't. You can't, it's, it's not like you can't. Defending your partner's bad behaviors. When was the last time you were honest with yourself about someone else's behavior? That their behavior is bad. That they're toxic. When was the last time? I know you're an empath. If you're here, you're drawn to me because you probably feel my energy. You're probably an empath. There's resonance. Why is there resonance? I'm a reflection of you. Empaths are drawn to each other. When was the last time 
you made a conscious decision to not defend the actions of the person who was the most hurtful towards you. When was the last time? Persistent loyalty in the face of danger. That's the next sign of a trauma bond. Persistent loyalty in the face of danger. I've witnessed so many narcissistic connections in my lifetime. And I've learned I'm not going to copy any of those behaviors. Why do you think I'm no longer afraid to lose anyone? If I'm meant to live alone, I will. There's nothing I can do to stop that. And it's not this sense of like, I feel disempowered and that's just how life is. No, it's this thing of, no, I'm perfectly fine by myself. I like myself. You can't use your presence in my life in a weaponized manner. Like if you want to withhold yourself, go ahead. Oh, you're going to miss me. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not even joking. We'll see. Probably not. If you're toxic, probably not. I'll probably find myself instead of missing you like you think. I'm probably going to find myself talking absolute caca about you to myself in my head. Because once you're gone and you're no longer there to disrupt my ability to see clearly, I'm going to see how clearly I can possibly see. And when I do that, oh boy, I'm going to become very clear on how toxic you are. And thank God I dodged a bullet. Thank God I dodged that bullet. <laughs> yeah, no. You think I'm going to miss you? Everyone who's ever withheld themselves from me, how'd that work out? Did you find me chasing after you? Begging you? I don't know. Maybe I'm full of myself, but I've seen myself thrive in your absence. The people who thought I would fail because you're gone. No. <laughs> All you did was clear space for healthier people to come in, to step forward into their rightful spot in my life. See, empaths, so long as you hold space for those who are toxic, you will continue to be surrounded by toxicity. You deserve more than that. You deserve to enter into a place within your life, within your journey, where you are free to accept how amazing you are, how much you deserve. I'm not talking about you deserve to be catered to. You can cater to yourself if that's what you want. You know what I mean? You can cater to yourself if you want to be catered to. Like there's times where, you know, if you're raised by a narcissist, uh, you have to make sure that you always check yourself, that you're not repeating these narcissistic things. So my husband cooks all my meals, pretty much all my meals. And when I find myself becoming highly critical of, you know, like, oh, he didn't give me the proper ratio <laughs> from veggies to protein. I got to tell myself, honey, sit the hell down so you can stand up and make your own damn meal. Mm -hmm. Sit down, take a couple breaths, sip some water. 
get your butt in the kitchen and make your own food. You want it to be a specific ratio? You can't find gratitude in your heart? No, you're not going there. You're not going to become the very person that you never want to be. Get up and make your own food. When you have existed with a narcissist long enough, and I've seen this time and time and time again, sometimes the narcissist will be able to break you down in such a way that their characteristics can be better assimilated into you and your truth. Ooh, I said, I told you, boo. I told you, boo. Yes. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Aset said, I had a rude awakening this morning when I asked him to cut me a non-refundable check, not a loan, but a gift in a large quantity. I bet you he wilded it out. Mm? Girl, I'm telling you. You know how many silly boys have been like, I'm going to buy you a house. I'm going to buy you this. I'm a teen. I don't need you to buy me anything. You want to buy me a house so I can be a kept woman and do whatever you tell me to do? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I would rather work for my little ass apartment and know that I did it myself and be completely free in my life. Whew. I'm so glad you listened to me. I was like, mm -mm, no, don't take it. Don't take it. Mm -mm. He wants you to succeed. See, I said, if you could please share some of the, you know, zingers that you were told in order to get you to, to agree to them taking care of you, you know, that, that and that's the thing with, with narcissists. They look at the way an empath feels so deeply and struggles so profoundly with that simple human existence. And it's not necessarily like, you know, all empaths are broke and this and that. No, it's this like depth of feeling. It causes you to struggle. You know, when you have to go to work and someone toxic has to work with you, you have to work with them. And now you're exhausted. Oh, my gosh. The narcissist sees that and you know what happens? Oh, baby, you don't need to work. You should just stay home. You don't got to deal with that. I'm going to take care of you. You just stay home. You know, you do the cooking and cleaning and stuff. I treat you real good. <laughs> now you do that yourself. Do that your damn self. <laughs> no, don't believe it. Don't believe it. When you have that little voice in your head, in your chest, telling you like this is off something's off. Is it just because you've conditioned yourself to believe that you don't deserve or, or is it because you know, you can feel it. You know, something's off, something is wrong and you don't know what it is. Um, what I learned, this is one of the most powerful things that an empath can do. If something feels off, don't do it. Pause. Just pause. Pause. People who are using you when you pause, they can't rush you along. Um, they tend to freak out and they tend to snitch on themselves. During the freak out, they'll snitch themselves out to you. Yep. 
So Aset says, he told me he honors me. He loves me. He wants to uplift me. Oh, y'all, y'all, please. <laughs> oh, the intrigue. Oh, my goodness, girl. He's good. He's good. I honor you. I love you. I simply want to uplift you. Oh, it rolls off the fork demonic tongue with butter. <laughs> like just butter. It's been buttered. Just slides right off. Y'all. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> They've gotten good. They've gotten real good at knowing the terms to use. They know the terms to use, the way to present it. Now, it's not to say that if something feels too good to be true, then it's too good to be true. It is to say, why are they doing this? What do they have to gain from it? What I had told Aset was, it feels off. I feel like it comes with strings attached. If you really want to see, you know, if you really want to see if he just genuinely wants to help you, tell him to give it to you as a gift. Girl, he thought you wasn't smart or something. He thought, he thought, he thought, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wasn't in it for the long haul. Yeah, you guys also got to be careful because there are narcissists who they're doing the long haul. The extremely intelligent, highly malignant, the ones that would threaten your life. They'd cut you that check. They would read you and know it was a test. And they would cut you that. I, I give you half right now. You know, I got, you know, some of my money's tied up right now. I cut you half, okay? I just want to take care of you, baby. He, he, he wasn't smart enough. You outsmarted him. You got to be really careful with the ones that are smart enough to be like, I'll cut you a check. It's a down payment. I'll cut you a check. I, I will. I'll give you half right now. I don't, I don't have the whole thing right now. I'll give you the other half, you know, a little bit. And then after that, after they give you that half, they've passed the test. They've passed the test. So now your guard's all the way down. And now they really can have their way with you. Those types of narcissists are not as common. That takes extreme levels of empathic sensitivity, ability to scan, assess, follow the strings for specific outcomes. That takes intelligence. Luckily for you, he wasn't as intelligent as he needed to be to get over on you. Man, oh man. Christy K says, I should stay home with the baby. He doesn't want me to work. I can just stay home while he works. Yeah. Did, did he turn out to be a narcissist too, Christy K? 
Now, it's not just men who are narcissists. I want to make that very clear. This is not a man bashing conversation. This is a narcissistic behavior bashing conversation. <laughs> Hell yeah, that behavior needs to be bashed. I'm not talking about people or canceling people. I'm talking about behaviors. We cannot allow that kind of caca to be normalized. No, no. Oh, hell no. Uh-uh. I don't think so. Making me get all squeaky voice. I'm just saying. It's not okay. It's not okay. You know, it's, it's not okay. It's just not. There's been times um, where I've said, or I've said to my husband, like, hey, that's like a narcissistic behavior. And he's like, you're telling me I'm a narcissist? I'm like, no, you're not a narcissist. But if you keep acting like that, it's going to seem like you are. <laughs> you know, it's not anything bad, but I'm just so hypersensitive to it that I'm just like, no, no, uh-uh. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're not doing none of that. No, no. <laughs> So Christy K says, yes. And he told me watching a couple of babies isn't hard work at all. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Watch it. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I would have had to clap back with, well, you need to make more money. I'd be happy. If you say something like that to a narcissist, you're going to drive them real mad. Don't, don't endanger yourself. Some narcissists will actually physically harm you. Don't endanger yourself. Oh my gosh. That's just crazy. You guys, please share with me some of the experiences that you've had. How did you get yourself out of that? Was there some sort of <clears throat> miracle moment that gave you the opportunity to exit and like looking back, like w when you were living through that moment, it was this like destructive thing. You were super sad, like, no, I don't want it to end. And then now looking back, you realize, realize like, oh my gosh, that saved me. <laughs> oh my God, that saved me. Thank God they left. Like you look at Selena Gomez. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I look at Selena Gomez. I'm like, girl. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> she has that song. Look at her now. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> I'm just like, mm -hmm, girl. That's right. Look at you now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Lisa Ann says, two and a half years out, I'm finally detoxing my brain and now enjoying a much healthier relationship. Whoo, baby boo, that's powerful. The reality of that process and the owning of it. Whoo, that's powerful. It's taken Lisa Ann two and a half years to start detoxing her brain from that toxic relationship. You guys, please give yourself the time to process. When you first exit out of this narcissistic connection, you are going to need quite some time to simply grieve. To grieve. Because then comes the reality. Was any of that even real? Did any of the things they said 
Was it real? Did they really mean it? Did they really love me? And it's going to take you a long time. It's going to take you a very long time. And then after that, that's when you begin to like, okay, wait, hold up. How did this affect me? Well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be this way. I need to go beyond this. I need to heal beyond this and develop my sense of self once again. I need to heal and all these really, really beautiful things, really powerful things. Lisa Ann says, I honestly feel God intervened and gradually led me to the truth. You were definitely part of the process. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. There's times where when you're actually ready, when you are ready, you'll be led to people who will help you to find the courage to seek more of your truth, to see more clearly what you actually lived through. Because, you know, even if you didn't tell me a lot of what happened, I think the main thing was just knowing that there's people out there who see, you know, who see clearly like, okay, this person is blunt AF and they don't think I'm a bad person because you're not, mm -hmm. you're not. You might've been through really bad things, but you're not a bad person. Record Raven says, yep, God intervened for me too. And me helped. Oh, you guys, I don't even know how I'm helping. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I don't, I don't know how I helped. Um, was it just hearing, hearing me be unapologetic about seeing things differently? Was it from sharing um, things that have happened in my life. I mean, I have no idea, but I'm honored. I'm definitely honored. Um, Moonrock says, yes, I remember before I had cut this person off. He was literally trying to tell me that I read on uh, one of his messages the wrong way because I don't understand sarcasm. And I was like, sir, no. Okay. Let me just speak on that. Let me just speak on that. So I got to pull my shirt down. It, my shirt's lifting up. I'm so... <laughs> the most recent bout with a narcissist, this individual said that I just didn't understand what they were saying, that, you know, I was making something out of nothing and yada, 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 but you stole something. You know what theft is? Do you know what theft is? When I pay for something... And then you block my access to it. That's theft. You have it in your possession. That's theft. Give it back to me so I can leave you alone. <laughs> you see how that works? Right. And they kept saying like, oh, I'm just picking a fight. I need to respect them. I need to... No. You will either release that back to me or my legal team will choke slammeth thee. <laughs> <laughs> in letter form with legalities. Now, if you think I'm messing around, here's all the screenshots of all the things that I have paid for that legally belong to my company. There's no, there's, there's no like, we need to get on the phone and we need to communicate and we need, we, we need to straighten this. No, there's nothing to straighten out. There's nothing to straighten out. When you've been informed that you have my company's property, and you try and tell me like, no, this is not your priority right now. Um, yeah, no, that's very clear. You have no intention of amicably returning back to me what is rightfully mine. 
And it was an important thing. It was an important thing. So they will try and gaslight you into believing that you're the problem. You're misunderstanding things. You're overreacting. You're just being blah, 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 blah. And I always take it as this thing of, well, if you're going to share your feelings, let me go ahead and share mine too. <laughs> let me go ahead and share mine too. Okay. This Do you feel that? I I'm going to tell you how I feel. <laughs> or narcissists hate it when you ignore them. Or I'm just not going to respond at all. I'm going to let it be a thing of, will I do it or will I not? Am I bluffing? Or am I not? The rule with me, I'm never bluffing. <laughs> I'm never bluffing. Ever. Ever. Whatever I say I'm going to do, I'm going to follow through. If I tell you, if you choose path A, you are going to run full force into a knuckle sandwich and you run down path A, you'll find out. My fist will probably be in your mouth. And I'm just going to be like, oh, what happened there? How'd that happen? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely making a joke of it because like, I, I can't, I can't take this kind of stuff too seriously. I can't allow myself to. I just cannot allow myself to. Why? Because that's what they want. I found narcissists want you to take them as seriously as they're trying to give themselves the gravity of. Like, no, no. <laughs> mm, you over there trying to play orca. You in a kiddie pool, baby boo. <laughs> you in a kiddie pool, baby boo. Water's only up to your ankles. <laughs> You're not an orca. You're a blow up toy. <laughs> Narcissists don't like it when you do that kind of stuff. You know, they really, really don't. But, you know, sometimes for my personal logic, I don't know that you should apply it to your life. Sometimes I just feel like I need to burn that bridge completely down to the foundation so they can never cross over. Because, you know, narcissists don't know how to swim, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't know how to swim. They don't understand you have a depth about you. This is why they keep trying to pull you to the surface. You have this depth and they think that if, if they're seen with you, if they're associated with you, that they'll have depth too, because how do you get that deep sea fish if you can't dive that deep? Narcissists are all about social climbing and association. You don't even have to try and drown the narcissist. They do that all on their own. They do that all on their own with all the lies that they tell. They do that all on their own. All on their own. If you want to see classic narcissistic type behavior and this is just my personal opinion perception um just go watch videos of commentary about jamie lynn spears's book and she says it's not about her sister but then all her press tours 
is about her sister and how I need to find my voice. Honey, you've been speaking too much already. You've been speaking too much already. <laughs> you know, and you can tell, you can tell, like she's really convinced. She really, truly believes that she's the victim there. Classic narcissistic type mindset. That's just classic. That's what I always see when it comes to narcissists and what they're doing. Classic. Classic. They're never wrong. It's always someone else. They'll lie about anything. They'll literally lie about anything. About anything. Why? Because they can. I found that's reason enough for someone who is, you know, more elevated in their narcissistic type behaviors. Again, we're not trying to diagnose anyone. Um, I found that they lie just because they can. Just because they can. And with every lie that they're successful with, it gives them more encouragement and more power to lie more and lie more and lie more. They can keep lying. You don't have to be there for it. You just don't. Um, oh, wow. Queen of hearts, I'm very sorry. I was indirectly asked to leave my sons due to dad and wife wanting to have a party. All this the night before my mom passed. The reason I was there, that provoked my son to move out. Wow. Wow. I think if you see that as he's no longer your problem and just completely no contact, that's the thing. They, they constantly... They will say and say and say that they want no contact. They don't want anything to do with you. They don't want nothing to do with you. And then that's all they ever talk about is you. <laughs> they want contact. Mm -hmm. They want contact. They want to continue to be in your life. So I feel like the greatest way to correct narcissistic behavior, completely clean cut. Take your sharpest knife and cut it completely clean off. No jagged edges. No place for reattachment. Just cut it completely off. Cauterize it even. You have to make a decision. If you are an empath and you're dealing with a narcissist, you have, you have to make a decision. Now, the decision is what leads to the actions that you will eventually take. If you are in a dangerous situation where your narcissistic connection involves intimidation, involves physicality, please be careful. I invite you to watch the work of Dr. Romani on YouTube. She is licensed. She does have a specialty with narcissism and she would be a better place to get advice um, in how to proceed. Okay, we're just having a casual conversation here. 
I don't want you to make decisions that are rash, that puts you in some type of physical danger. You have to have a plan in place if you have a dangerous narcissist in your life. Nothing sets a narcissist off more than the day they realize they've lost control over you. And they will have zero cares as to the collateral damage. Zero cares as to the gravity of the destruction they're causing. Hey, you're leaving? I'm going to destroy you. That's what I see their logic is. I can't have you. No one else can then. I didn't give you permission to leave. I'm not done with you. Now you're fully destroyed. Okay, now I'm done with you. Now you can go because I told you you can. That's narcissistic behavior. I'm not talking about narcissism as in uh, a slight tendency here and there of being inconsiderate. No. If you're in a relationship where you're scared to leave, please don't take the advice of people who have no idea what it's like to have lived through that. 